On this episode of The Playbook, I have COO Adrian Down Colson of Rakuten Americas, and we're going to talk about how ballet is reconciled with their success in business. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I'm excited I have another extraordinary executive, Adrian Colson. She is the COO of Rakuten Americas, and she is going to share with us this extraordinary journey of her success and maybe a few lessons that she learned along the way. Adrian, welcome to the playbook. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, you know, obviously being a great executive of a great company, a worldwide company, um, it's taken you a little bit of time to move your way up through the ranks and both in your profession and in the situational knowledge. Most people look at you and say, oh God, how lucky could she be? This is amazing. But I don't think they realize all the different stepping stones and the lessons that have been learned. Um, you kind of started your career with a really big project. I think about 2013, you were working uh, in, on the Russian business side in Toronto. Uh, and you had a few lessons just right off the bat when you were putting your perspective into place of what you wanted to be and what impact you wanted to have. Yeah, well, I guess, so my my Russian business story, actually, well, yes, it started in Canada, in Toronto. So I'm born and raised in Toronto. And in 2012, I was recruited, I was given this amazing gift in many ways to start the Ebates business in Canada. And I don't really, you know, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, um, but I was I was given this opportunity to build this business in the Canadian market under the banner of Ebates, which was already this amazingly successful and well-known brand in the U.S. And so the opportunity was, can you build this in Canada? And what would that look like and feel like in the Canadian market? And uh, and I was, you know, asked to build this business plan and kind of and start this business. And it had been going along for about, I guess, at that point, you know, eighteen months or so. And I had I'd sort of started to see the, you know, profitability kind of around the corner. Things were going well, and so I raised my hand to the CEO and I said, "Okay, well, what's next?" Because this was going. Great. And I, you know, always have always been the kind of person who was always interested and curious, you know, what else can I do and how, and how can I add to my portfolio? What else? What else is next? And, and um, you know, to my surprise, he said, well, you know, I've been looking at where else can we expand internationally. And when I look at, at how people are shopping and who's shopping on our U.S. site, the next biggest cohort of international shoppers is from Russia. And I was like, for real? Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know what that has to do with me, but you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, when I look back now, I think like maybe that was sort of a joke. And maybe he was just like trying to see whether I would really take the bait, but I did. And um, and and so I I recruited Russian speakers in our Toronto office, and I built this wonderful team of Russians and Ukrainians in Toronto. And we built, well, we took the platform 
that had been built in our San Francisco office by our California team. And we, and we built it out for Russian currency in rubles. We, we built it out so that it could, you know, take Cyrillic characters, you know, obviously it was built for, you know, English language. And, you know, it wasn't even built for Spanish at the time. And we were building out French for the Canadian site. So it couldn't even accommodate, you know, the, the basics for, for, for Russian market, let alone, you know, was it not able, like we had, we had obviously no contacts in the Russian market. So it was, um, it was a huge undertaking. And I, um, and so I traveled to Russia and uh, with a translator, of course, and I spent the better part of the next year and a half running these two businesses simultaneously, predominantly on the back of the Canadian team in Toronto with a handful of Russian speakers. And it was, a, you know, a tremendous challenge. Um, and, and really, when I look back, was uh, also now one of probably the biggest failure of, <laughs> of, my, of my career. Um, but, but also also something that I'm very proud of, you know, it's this like, it's this, this kind of dual edged thing, right? Because I really believe that no business, you know, no business venture and no, no business career is ever really, you don't, you don't ever really get anywhere without having, having consistent failures because you, you know, you're, you're nothing, a business is nothing without, without, all of these kind of consistent trials and failures. Um, and that, that experience was just like, I mean, incredibly priceless. We built this thing and I did actually get pretty, pretty amazing traction in Russia. And that experience of just understanding like how does another international market actually work? When I got there in Moscow, I realized, you know, that whole environment, like there's actually really no Google in Russia. There's a company called Yandex. And, you know, when you want to do search marketing in Russia, you have to work with them. So I made introductions there. There's an affiliate network, whole affiliate marketing environment, which is the business that Rakuten is in, um, you know, that is entirely different. I had to make introductions with online retailers that, of course, we had no knowledge of in a language that I didn't speak and understand in a culture, in a business culture that I didn't understand and speak. And it was, I, I mean, the, the learning was just incredible. And we did actually grow that business, but at a point there was, you know, the fraud environment there is incredibly challenging. And we were you know, challenged with trademark violations and all kinds of issues that just kind of stacked up one on top of another and eventually just became too much to overcome. And we ended up having to shut down the business, divert all the traffic back to the U.S. site. And in the end, you know, it was too challenging and too hard. And that was a huge letdown for me and for my team, as you can imagine, having to come back home and a year and a half later and tell everybody, thank you so much for all this work on the platform, from engineering to marketing to legal to everybody and say, you guys worked so hard and now we're pulling it back. We're diverting all that traffic back. We learned so much, but um, but now we're we're gonna shutter all that effort and um, and we're gonna stop. But um, you know, it's just just a massive lesson in terms of what people can do and what people can learn when you put your minds to it. Um, and I and I I definitely have no regrets in the end. Although, like it was a there was a you know definitely a lot of shame 
that I had to get over, you know? Right. Well, pain's an indicator that you have a lesson to learn. And as you with an open mind, you know, I was thinking about your mindset, number one, coming in uh, and you came in and then took on this type of venture. And what do you think it is now that you're a, a chief executive and looking at some of the young people that come in and are, you know, working for you? What do you think it is about your mindset and your skills uh, that those executives saw in you when number one, they hired you, uh, but two, when they put you in charge of just such an extraordinary risky venture, which as you know, as an executive today, they knew there's a high probability uh, that it wasn't going to be the most successful venture, but they put you in charge of it uh, and wanted to give you that opportunity to learn from it. Uh, and also to, you know, even though some of those uh, business ventures within the context of a large company fail, the lessons we learn about rolling out into other countries and the lessons we learned about vetting in a different manner in, in uh, other countries and how we all are lied to, manipulated, oversold, back-end sold and, and cheated through uh, the communications. And, and you know, I was CEO of Samsung's phone division. I had to go through a training uh, called Bing Fa training in the cultural training of negotiation where you know, extraordinary things. I had no idea, like they would call my executive assistant and find out what my favorite foods were and then put them out in front of me to lower my sugar level, knowing that I would overeat, you know, potato chips and, and uh, raisinets. Uh, and then they would ask for, you know, clothes uh, when my blood sugar was down and I wasn't paying attention. Uh, but what, as an executive now, the lessons you learned about what they were looking for in the mindset that you had, that you now look for, in the people that you give these types of opportunities to? I, well, I think I think there's a bit of a no fear sort of a mentality. There's a bit of a just like undaunted, you know, component, right? Like, you know, if, if I go this way and I hit a brick wall, I just go another way and I hit another wall and I go another way and I just keep going, right? And, um, and, and, and some of that, you know, I think those brick walls not thinking of them as failure, right? So, you know, I, have you read that Ed Catmull's book of um, Creativity Inc? You know, the Great yeah, book. amazing book. I love how he talks about, um, you know, how he talked about failure and, and learning when he talks about learning a musical instrument, right? When you play the, you learn to play the guitar, you pick up the guitar, you spend hours learning to play the guitar, you spend years, learning to play the guitar. And you don't think of that process as failing. You think of it as learning. When you're, when you're playing it, you know nothing when you start and you're investing hours and days and weeks and whatever it takes. And in business, as you're learning things, I, I love that notion of not thinking of any of that time as failing. And so when you're doing that, like trying something and hitting a wall, not thinking of that as failure. I think that mindset is pretty important, right? So you hit that wall, you're not failing, you're just hitting a wall. So who cares? You just go ahead and try the next thing and you try the next thing. And so being undaunted by that, I think is really important. And from like a C-level perspective, if you're putting somebody on a job to, to that's gonna be challenging, so if they're gonna hit a wall, they're not gonna come back to you every time they hit a wall to come back and say, okay, now what do I do? They're just going to keep going and go the next, go on and try the next thing. So I think that's a that's kind of an important sort of like ingrained 
um, sort of natural sense within somebody, if you can see that in somebody, great. Then, <laughs> then they're just going to keep going. Um, I think that's the first thing. And then I think there's also like a natural leadership component that some people have that you can see in people that as they're doing that, other people are going to follow them through those, those steps, right? Because they can't do that alone. And they're going to be unsuccessful if they're just by themselves in that process. They're going to need a team to follow them. So if you can see that that person is also going to have a team of 20 or 50 or however many people behind them, they're going to need that whole cross-functional group that's going to follow them like I had in that Toronto team and that Russian team and, you know, all throughout my career, obviously, you know, as a COO, you have this, you know, this cross-functional group behind you. It's very different than, you know, uh, you know, as a CMO, you've got your marketing team. As a CFO, you've got your finance team. It's sort of like line management, like you, you, you come up, you know, in a company, in a, you know, in this, in this, not, to, not to simplify it in any way, but, you know, you're, you're coming up in, in a, you know, one, one function in a company and a COO role is unique in the way that it's very cross-functional. There's a lot of things that a COO can kind of cover. And in fact, in many ways, a COO role is sort of very unique depending on what company it exists in what life stage the company is in, what industry the company is in. It can be, it, it can be very different in yeah, every I, I think, circumstance, right? So it, the, CO, the COO, which I find funny too, excuse me, is uh, you know, the two things that are most difficult about being executive, the COO gets to deal with employees and overhead. Uh, see, <laughs> and most of, most of the time, different line management uh, doesn't have to deal with both employees and overhead, ultimately being responsible for both. Um, and I love that aspect of being a COO. The other interesting thing is, you know, when I started doing business with Rakuten, uh, you know, I usually do a lot of word searching and understanding what words mean to me are very important. Like just two simple words, like I am, have evolved in the existential sense since the 17 because I was 17 in, in the junior in high school when I thought I knew what I am meant and here I am 53 still exploring those two words but Rakuten actually uh it stands for optimism uh and the desire that you must be what you can be is inherent kind of into that meaning of your actual company name and you exemplify that desire that you must be what you can be and as a leader you're an intelligent follower first and then everybody follows you. Your mission and goal um, of Rakuten is so pertinent today. And it's been that way for a while. I think it was uh, truly ahead of its time. Um, how have you fostered, you know, that fierce determination uh, that your company has to, you know, be diverse and inclusive and equitable and to have this desire that you must be what you can be? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's absolutely true. I um, I actually, it's one of the things that I, of course, that I love about this company and, you know, and beyond that, the, the mission of Rakuten is actually, is, is so unique and the company is so unique and that it, you know, it, it, it has over 70 businesses around the world. Right. And, and, and that, that empowerment mission is something that, that rings true in our in our day-to-day -day lives. 
and is actually so pertinent today. You know, when we look back over the last 15, 16 months and, and you know, what has become just, you know, the reality of all of our day-to-day lives and, and how life on this planet and, and life and our corporate lives have sort of, um, ha- have sort of, I don't know, just come so, so closely together. You know, uh, you know, it, as we, as our, as our homes, our home lives and our work lives have become kind of indistinguishable from one another, um, in, in such a real way. And that, and, and just in my role, kind of living that out for our employees in our regular, like live Q and A's on a biweekly basis on zoom, answering questions, um, and being, being authentic and genuine in those town hall meetings um and it has been has been so important that like transparent and really open and honest and frequent conversation with employees has been really critical um all of those things have been really important to me and and um i don't know if i'm answering your question but 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 like like living living out what what empowerment is and what optimism is has just been like it actually has provided like a real opportunity to just really live that like with and for our employees as executives and as an executive it's been actually really um like meaningful and that reconciliation between the personal and professional life, which has come yeah. to the forefront, especially in Canada, um, because there's been long periods from the business partners I have up there. I'm blessed to be a founding investor in the Toronto eSport team and Overactive Media with Chris Overholt. And, uh, you know, so a lot of my partners you know, are going stir crazy a couple of times. But the other reconciliation I have in my life, I don't know if you know, but my uh, business partner uh, in my marketing company is the most famous Canadian football player of all time, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Uh, and I've reconciled football, which is my favorite sport. I had not achieved uh, the greatness of Warren Moon uh, as an average uh, college football player myself, but I've reconciled so many lessons that I've learned from football into my business career as an entrepreneur and as a brand uh, in all the branding that I've done over the 35 years. You uh, are a fan of ballet. And I was hoping as a final uh, question, you may be able uh, to tell us how you reconcile some of the lessons or the parallels from ballet into your business as an executive. Hmm. Interesting question. Well, you know, I am, so I'm a, I'm a lifelong dancer and, and lover of ballet. I, I sit on the board of Canada's National Ballet School. I'm one of those, like, you can take her out of Canada, but you can never leave Canada kind of people. Um, I've lived in the Bay Area for a total of, I guess, almost eight cumulative years uh, over, over two different periods, chapters in my life. But um, but I, so, so I've been a dancer for most of my life. and um, and you know, ballet is such a beautiful art form, and and um, but the but the discipline and intensity of physicality and like the technicality that's required to be good at it, and even to be frankly mediocre at it, um, is just remarkable. And and I have such respect for that. 
um, even at a mediocre level. Um, and so I, I think like I have, I have a, yes, I, I do think actually there are pretty incredible parallels in terms of like the precision and the linearity of that. Um, you know, what I, what I really love about, um, frankly, about my, about the job of the COO is I think creating like order out of chaos. And, you know, I, I do, I do love this, like, you know, um, creating, creating, taking, taking what is, uh, I think for many people represents, um, you know, a lot of things that are, that are difficult to manage multiple levels of complexity, especially a company like Rakuten, right? Where you have, we have 11 plus businesses for almost 4,000 people. We operate in the Americas anyway. We operate, you know, um, in probably now at this point, almost 20 company, 20 countries around the world, even though we're in the Americas, right? Headquartered here. And in, in so many different industries, even though yes, predominantly e-commerce, digital content and so on, but logistics and so on, it's quite complex and a lot of moving parts. And I love creating order out of that. And, uh, and, and, and I love actually creating order out of crisis. When you look back over what's happened over the last 16 months or so to all of us, you know, at the beginning when COVID set in, there was, uh, there was a moment after the initial kind of panic of what is happening right now, there was a moment that clicked for me where I was like, wait a minute, this is me. Like, this is my moment. This is the moment for my team. This is on us and we are gonna be amazing at this. We've got this because I have the people and we have the skills and this is, this is our moment and we can actually do a fantastic job at this for the employees and for our company and we can bring order to all of this. And so, um, so I do think there's a, there's a parallel there of like that, that like intense discipline and the like linearity and structure of that and like turning that into something really beautiful and magnificent. And I think you've turned Rakuten Americas into that beautiful ballet by having the discipline of the mindset, the heart set, and of course, combining the skills, the knowledge and the desire, just like in ballet into and orchestrating in the operations of such an extraordinary company. Adrian Down Colson, you are a remarkable COO and even a greater person. What a pleasure it's been to learn your playbook. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.